and welcome to the very last podcast of the NFL season. I'm so incredibly depressed. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Andrus. <laughs> it is Brad Allen, but we are looking to make some money this week here on Super Bowl 56. It has been an awesome season. It's been a good run. If you've been listening to us, you are in the positive for the NFL season. So don't go blow it all on the Super Bowl this week. Take a winning season. Just chalk it up. You're in the black. That's what we're trying to do with all this anyway. Um, Steven, it was, it was a, it was a real good season. I think that we were outside of, you know, two or three weeks and look, there's, you know, there's 18 weeks. So outside of two or three weeks where we, where we really didn't have a beat of what was going on, really didn't have a feel of what was going on, had some pretty, pretty rough weeks in there. Uh, for the most part, I think we were, were, we were pretty good on assessing, the games and the bets that we wanted to put in our account. That's the other thing that I think is important. We're not making bets on every game. We're not putting it. Well, you did sometimes, but you know, me and Brad, anyway, we're not <laughs> making bets on every game and, and, you know, picking and choosing and doing that. And, and I understand that's not possible here in the Super Bowl. It is only one game. You can't really pick and choose, but just as, as the big lesson here, moving forward for everyone, uh, the picking and choosing of games throughout the course of the season is what can help you make sure that you, uh, you have a good season. Yeah, first lesson I learned this year is if Urban Myers ever coached the NFL again, <laughs> don't don't tail him because of blind regression assumptions. <laughs> so, but overall, I mean, yeah, first of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's listened and followed followed along all year. It's been truly the most enjoyable season of my career covering the NFL you know, making money, enjoying this, learning from you two on this podcast of different ways to look at things. So thank you to both of you and thank you to all the listeners out there. And I think that is my biggest takeaway for the Super Bowl is that as, as tempting as it might be and as interesting as it might be, have a plan going in. Don't find yourself with 20 different bets at a unit apiece for the Super Bowl. Give yourself a budget, come up with a plan and don't blow your entire bankroll and profits that you've had from this season on this one game because truly when it comes to sides and totals this is the game with the least edge on the season and you're going to have to go digging very hard to find any type of small edge in a game like this and brad i think one of the other things here that we can just kind of as a general lead into the, to the pod here is like you know look if you are going to put in a bunch of different prop bets in this game and as you should you know if you're looking to have some fun or whatever you know if you're if you're honestly trying to grind out a profit in this on this game your prop bets need to kind of tell a story if you're having a bunch of contradictory prop bets where the game how the game might play out then there's no way you can win if you're if you're looking at like oh you think you, if you made a prop on burrow throwing for 400 400 plus yards but under two touchdowns well you're not really correlating your prop bets there you're not really correlating your plays so i think that you can look at it from that way if you if you do are trying to do this for you know grinding out some sort of profit for the super bowl and then also and you know you and i I've done this super long time. We have certainly uh, our mindset is to make money every single time we go out to bet. But, I, you know, the one time I do at least kind of put that on the on the back burner is for the Super Bowl, where if somebody tells me, look, man, I'm just trying to have fun on the game. I just want to have some skin. I want to be able to hoop and holler at my Super Bowl party. I think that's perfectly fine approach as well. Yeah, I mean, so Stephen said, yeah, you know, this is the game where you might have least edge on the side or total, but it's, it's also probably the game you can have the highest like chance of making money because there are eight hundred, a thousand props. Every book in the land is is taking. Right. 
600 bets on this so and, and a lot of these markets are new they're cross sports they're you know all this random stuff which you never ever see so you know there there is edges to be had so um yeah it's, it's, it's my favorite game every year to bet on because you know let's let's get stuck in you get you get two weeks to think about this and uh literally 20 different outs to try and get some bets some bets down and make a little bit of money so as we sit right here on Friday morning, guys, it is four at the majority of the books in favor of the Rams. There is but one four and a half remaining out there on Cincinnati if you wanted the four and a hook. And there is actually a three and a half available at William Hill rest of country if you were looking to bet the Rams. So we have everything from three and a half to four and a half with the majority settling in at four. The total, as we talked about last week, as we talked about through the course of this week, is stuck in mud at 48 and a half. This thing got bet down from 50 and a half to 48 and a half, and it has stuck there for the last 11 days and has not moved at all. So interesting, interesting stuff there on the total. Before we get into our actual thoughts on the game here, guys, like let's let's talk about the different game states or just how we feel like this could play out in favor of these certain teams. So we'll start with the favorite here in the in the Los Angeles Rams. And, and Brad, let's just talk with if this game is going in favor of the Rams, if you're sitting there in the third quarter and you've got a bet on this Rams squad and you're feeling pretty good about it. What has been going on throughout the course of this game? What has been the game state of this game to where you're feeling pretty damn good about your Rams bet, even though there's a quarter and a half of play left? Um, I'd say it's quite straightforward. I think it starts with them just dominating both lines of scrimmage, right? So protecting Stafford. Um, and obviously, he's got the weapons where if he has time, he, he should be able to make some stuff happen. Um, and same same with running the ball. They, they've not necessarily been good at running the ball, especially throughout the postseason. But the Bengals' defense is not not what they've faced so far. Obviously, they've faced two of the toughest rushing defenses so far in the NFL in, in Tampa Bay and San Francisco. And this Bengals' defense is not that. And then the other side of the ball is it's pressure up front, right? It's, it's quick pressure. Um, and yeah, like how, however good you are, if you've got to get rid of the ball within 2.2 seconds, each, each play, like you can, you can make some quick plays, but the defense will soon start sitting on that. Um, and you're going to, you're going to really struggle. So I, th- I think, you know, that's, that's quite the, that's quite the obvious way that the Rams just win this game is just dominating up front. Yeah. Uh, on on my end here, as far as, you know, if you're sitting there in the third quarter and you're feeling pretty good about your Rams bet, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see the whole defense off the line stuff and all that, but like for me, I think you're feeling pretty good because Zach Taylor has made some pretty, pretty big egregious errors in this game so far. And, and they're, you know, him, his um, inexperience kind of starts to shine through here. And also that their game plan just wasn't adjusted at all in this thing. And so I think if you're sitting there in the third quarter and they've still been running the ball on first down, if they've still been trying to, for whatever reason, pound mixing into the line for a yard and a half at a time. And Joe Burrow is facing these third and eights and third and nines and stuff like that. Then I think you're feeling pretty great about this. If they didn't come out with a pass happy game plan, if they didn't come out understanding that they're not going to be able to run the ball very effectively in this game, then I think if, if you're a Rams backer, you're feeling pretty great about that whole situation. Steve, even it's uh it's it's eight minutes into the third quarter you got this minus four ticket on the rams how are you feeling pretty good about this thing yeah i i feel probably really good about it to be honest i think that 
Um, this is a situation where the Bengals defense is probably going to have to take some chances to try and swing this game. We are talking about a Rams offensive line that's number one in the league in pass block win rate against a Cincinnati pass rush that is 30th in pass rush win rate. So um, they also are number 25 in run stop win rate. And the Rams offensive line is top 15 in, in blocking for, for the run. So just to, to go further into that, if they try and start blitzing and sending extra guys after Matthew Stafford, I think that plays into the hand of the Rams. We have seen how he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league against the blitz. We have seen it this postseason, both, both against the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he struggled a little bit. They won the game, but he was not as effective against the 49ers when they were rushing with just four. Um, on top of that, I think there is a weak link in the secondary for Cincinnati in Eli Apple, their corner, their number two corner. And if if somehow they're moving um, Cooper Cup around the formation to find Eli Apple on him, he's going to tear him apart. And even if he doesn't, I think Odell Beckham has a very large plus matchup in that situation. So um, just all those things together, I think, yeah. is is how the Rams win this game. So let's look on the flip side here, and let's say you took the the, the four and a half points with Cincinnati. It's uh, midway through the third quarter, and you're feeling really confident in your bet here. Um, since I do have the Cincinnati four and a half ticket, I'll tell you exactly how for me. One, it will be that inexplicably they really did try to shadow Jamar Chase with um, with Jalen Ramsey, and if that's the case, I'm feeling pretty great about this because here's the deal. You are not going to win every single time in that in, in that situation. And Jamar Chase is one of the rare talents out there that if you give him one on one coverage and I don't care if it is Jalen Ramsey, I don't care if it is the best corner in the NFL. Jamar Chase can run away from you. If you the the what what has worked so far with him and neutralizing him throughout the course of the season are these double and triple teams on him to where there's just no way for him to get the ball in his hands and then take off and win just on one-on-one battles. And so if they've gone that direction, I'm feeling really, really good about the game. If I'm holding a four and a half ticket, uh plus four and a half ticket on the Bengals, and I'm also feeling really, really good if we are sitting in one of those deals where for whatever reason, Sean McVay has decided to get conservative. So even if I'm sitting there with a plus four and a half and the Bengals are down 10 or the Bengals are down even 14, let's call it. I'm still feeling pretty good if Sean McVay has gone into that turtle up and, and go into super conservative mode, which we have seen him do multiple times with leads in games. If he does not keep his foot on the gas, I'm still feeling pretty good about the plus four and a half with Cincinnati. Brad, let's say you're on the other side here. You've got a plus four and a half for Cincinnati. Um, what are you feeling pretty good about if it's the middle of the third quarter? I think on offense, we've hit some explosives. So, mm -hmm. I don't know, we've hit a lot of inbreakers to T. Higgins, just getting the ball out quickly on a slant or whatever. Uh, and then we've got the ball to chase a couple of times and, he, and he's broken a few tackles and, and gone for a big play. Um, I think I think that's how they, they've got to score um, because I, I don't see them doing it sort of, you know, slowly, sort of 10 play drives. I think that's going to be a real struggle. So, you know, they, they break a couple of big ones, a few jump balls down the sideline to chase or Higgins as well. Because mm -hmm. um, obviously Darius Williams, I think he's five foot nine, the other corner 
Osborne opposite Ramsey. So either of those receivers is going to have a, a good chance of winning jump balls there. On defense, I think it's a little bit more what we saw in the AFC Championship game. Um, dropping eight, dropping seven, making just Stafford hold on to the ball for three seconds, four seconds, making him progress through his reads, just covering up the first two and maybe he starts to do what Mahomes did and just start to get a little bit panicky start to try and break out the pocket start forcing stuff um, and that, that's of the two that's the one I see happening more often I think there is definitely a lot of games where they they can make that happen they don't blitz they do make him make those decisions and, and he you know we know he's got mistakes in him we saw that in the NFC Championship game where he threw that pick up that Jaquiski Tart dropped and let him get away with it but um, yeah they could easily do that and uh, this time he doesn't get away with it all right, Stephen, you're on the Bengals plus four and a half. It's uh, seven minutes left in the third quarter. How are you feeling warm and fuzzy about that ticket? First of all, they are a lot more effective getting into the end zone once they mm-hmm. get to the red zone than they have been this postseason. They are only four of 11 in the red zone in the playoffs. That's 36%, well below their 56% touchdown rate in the red zone from the regular season, which only ranked 20th in the NFL. So they are really bad there. This is an awful red zone rate for the playoffs this year for the Bengals. And I think they forced a couple of turnovers as well. If we're being honest to be in this position, Um, they have won the turnover battle in two of their three playoff games, despite being the first team in NFL history to reach the Super Bowl without winning yards per play in three consecutive playoff games. So you have to you have to be efficient, right? And I think Brad makes a good point about offensive plays because over the last month of the season that is exactly what made the Bengals look as good as they did. They were in the in the last month of the regular season second in the NFL in EPA per play, but 20th in success rate. That shows you that they are inconsistent but explosive. So I think all those things have to come together offensively. And to also just, I agree with Brad again, with the cornerback situation outside Jalen Ramsey, those two corners in nickel for the Rams grayed out outside the top 75 this season by PFF grade, Darius Williams, and also their nickel back, David Long Jr. So if they can get Burrow just enough protection I can see him picking on those two corners, potentially with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in this game. I think that is potentially an outside shot um, if they can overcome the extremely awful matchup situation in the trenches. So we don't talk a ton about totals. Um, Brad bets more totals, obviously, Stephen, than you and I do. But this total, again, I don't know if this is just one of those deals where we're going to find out that the general public just doesn't care about totals because, again, this thing has not moved at all. It has not moved a half a point since 11 days ago. You know, we've seen this. We've seen the spread move all over the place. The money line's been moving. We have not seen that at all from this total. Brad, I know that you have a, a bet in or at least to lean in here on the total uh, on the underside of things so then let's just start with that what is what is the game state what is going on in this game if you're holding an under ticket where you you feel pretty good about holding that under ticket 
Well, it's two things we we talked about already. So on the, on the when the Bengals are on defense, it is them making Stafford hold onto the ball, just not giving up any explosives, um, even for, you know encouraging them to run the ball, mm-hmm. um, probably you know light boxes going. Yeah, come on, you can have five yards a clip, and it's just making them go. 10 plays every single time and you know whether it's a penalty maybe get a sack it like, and then making them settle for field goals that just, that just eats clock you know that's, that's a reason so many Denver Broncos games go under the total because that's, that's exactly how they play defence um, and on the other side of the ball I, I just do not see a way they block <laughs> they block this uh, defensive front you know I've spoken about it all, all year all playoffs um, so they give up nine sacks first to the Titans this is on turf this is a much better pass rush than the Titans and uh, they're going to be even more amped up because it's the Super Bowl. So, you know, as, as I was saying in the, the, the first question, yeah, you can try and get rid of it in two seconds, but if you just keep dumping it off, they just the whole field compresses and if, you, if you're if not respecting the deep ball because they, they can't protect for the deep ball, then it gets really tight and um, I think I think it gets quite messy. So, I uh, I I think you I think you will get an under forty nine, uh, and I'll bet that a couple of times whenever it pops up. Um, so I, I do like that one. Stephen, uh, an under game state here looks like what in your opinion? The Rams dominating in the trenches. Quite frankly, I mean this, and and also Sean McVay running the ball more when he has the lead, right? Like I think the Rams are more likely in a positive game script to be more run heavy. Um, he, he is one of the coaches in the NFL that tends to run more in the red zone as well. So I think that this, this is a game that hits the under if, if the Rams had the lead and if the Bengals uh, somehow win this game, I think it's more likely that they're hitting explosive plays and that's what gets us to the over potentially. But I don't see that as a large chunk in the range of outcomes, to be quite frank. I know Matt, we are going to disagree with you intensely in this podcast on the game flow and the game script of this one. I think, although maybe we won't, I don't know. I don't, I'm curious if you think the Bengals win this game or if you're just thinking that, that they're going to cover, but um, I just, I think that is the most likely situation for me as well, that the Rams are dominating both the offensive and the defensive line situations. And, uh, and they get a little bit more conservative in the second half to just go and get that Lombardi trophy instead of trying to put up more points. Yeah. For me an under game state's pretty simple. I think that it's just teams, these, these guys settling for field goals, right? I mean, I don't, I'm of the mindset that I think both of these offenses are going to be able to move the football between the twenties. It just, what happens once they do that and what are they, what are they going to be able to convert? And, and, and I, I think it's the, the under here for me is because whenever they get in the red zone, they're not scoring touchdowns. They're settling for field goals. They get conservative. The Both of these coaches, again, you know, not known for being all that out there when it comes to making decisions and not really pushing the, the envelope too incredibly often. And so, you know, these these fourth and two decisions where, you know, and, and this is where also I think having a weapon like an Evan McPherson might actually – play against a guy like Zach Taylor, you know, because instead of going for it on fourth and two or fourth and three in some of these borderline situations where maybe you should probably go for it, 
knowing that you've just got an automatic three points might actually work against him, right? Like, because he, it just, it's an, it's an easy, natural way to get super conservative because your kicker is so damn good. So, um, that's for me on the under, on the overside for me. Again, I, it's just the opposite of that for me. I think it's these teams are capitalizing on moving the balls. They're getting into the red zone and they're putting the ball in the end zone. I think that there is not going to be as much defensive resistance in this game as most people do. And I think both of these teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. They're not going to get stalled out. Maybe we have a couple of borderline fourth down calls that are actually made aggressive that extend drives and get these teams closer to the scoring. I like the over. I'm not on. I, if I had to bet it, I don't have a I don't have a ticket in the account. I lean to the over as opposed to the under in this one, because I do think that there will be at least some capitalization on what I consider to be a, uh, a pretty good offensive performance from both of these teams. Brad, I know you're on the under, but if you had to play the other side here, what, where did your bet go wrong then if this, uh, if this game's hitting over 49? Uh, explosives. Um, you know, the Rams defense, they get fumble six, they get pick six um, on the Rams defense. Or, yeah, and then they miss tackles. You know, they, they get the Jamal Chase 80 yard touchdown. Um, I would say that both defenses are pretty much set up all season long to stop the explosive, which is which is why I like the under. But I think, you know, broken tackles can happen, obviously, freak plays. And I, I think that's how you get to the over. Steven, if this game ends up a 31 to 30 game, something like that or whatever, um, how did how did the over get there in such an impressive fashion? For the Bengals offensively, I think that Joe Burrow was able to navigate the four-man rush of the Rams and and be able to diagnose pre-snap what they're doing defensively, which is going to be an incredible challenge because the Rams have more pre-snap motion and disguises on defense maybe than any other team in the NFL. If they're not at the top, they're near they're near the top. So Joe Burrow is going to have to be like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning with recognizing what the defense is going to throw at him and being able to resist the four man mm-hmm. elite rush that that the Rams are throwing at them. So if he can do that, then it does open up good matchups for his number two and number three wide receivers in this game or whoever Jalen Ramsey is not covering. Um, but I think it's I think it's an incredible challenge for a second year quarterback, even one as good as Joe. For Burrow. people who care about stuff like this, I mean again, this is they play in different conferences, they have different opponents, there's been different whatever, but uh Rams games this season averaged forty eight point six combined points. Bengals games averaged forty eight point four combined points for an average of forty eight point five points. So if that tells you anything of uh if that again don't read anything too much into that, but just a, a fun fact for you there uh, for, for these two teams as to how they played as far as points scored. All right, guys, let's get into our personal thoughts here on this game. And, and Brad, I'll kick it off to you. I know you are, are bullish on the Rams. Uh, minus four, I'm pretty sure, is where you sit with that. So make the case here for the Rams minus four. Um. I remember turning that game on after the Chiefs and after the Chiefs and the Bengals, and it felt to me like a different sport. Like they were just, it was just a different level of physicality. Um, and 
I think I, I was just about as impressed as you could be with the Rams in that game because the 49ers came in there. They'd just been to Dallas, beat the hell out of the Cowboys on the road. They'd just been to Green Bay, beat the hell out of Green Bay on the road. And they, they came into LA and said, we've beaten you six in a row. We're going to beat the hell out of you. Like you, you've got Fred Warner, like headbutting Matthew Stafford, literally knocking him out cold at the start of that game. I, I shared that clip. Stafford is out when he hits the floor. Um, like they came in there and said, we're just going to, we're just going to beat you up. And they were doing it for a lot of the game. Um, and the Rams just said, nah, we're not having it. Um, you know, Donald rallied them on the sideline and, um, I, I was just impressed with kind of the physicality they showed. And I don't think the Bengals are going to be used to that. Um, I mean, not from any games that I've watched them play this season. Um, and then just quickly on the Bengals, I, I, I just cannot help thinking they've won three coin tosses in a row where they should have been 40% to win. You know, they've won three 40% coin tosses in my opinion. So the Raiders come in there, six and a half points open because the Raiders played an overtime game six days before flying across country, closed five. Um, and, and as Stephen says, the Raiders won that, like yards per play, success rate, etc. Um, and there's a, there's a play late in that game. Raiders can basically tie the game, go, go to overtime. Um, Darren Waller's wide open with about 10 seconds to go hits off a helmet next play intercepted game over <laughs> they go into Tennessee um, give up the nine sacks obviously they they get three interceptions on one turnover worthy play that Tannehill throws so some fortune there Derek Henry gets 22 carries for 60 something yards Foreman the, the back that's actually healthy been playing all season long gets the same amount of yards 60, 64 carries on four yards um, and obviously, again, they win on a, like a th- an interception with 30 seconds to go. Um, and then last, obviously, two weeks ago against the Chiefs, they adjusted really well. But again, if if um, on that play before at the end of the half, he obviously throws it to Tyreek, but Kelsey is open over the middle. If, if Mahomes just sees Kelsey, it's, it's 28-10 at halftime and they're not here. Uh, or third and seven in the second half, Chris Jones just sacks him. It's, they're not here again. Um, and they... The, the Chiefs had 16 pressures in that game and they got one sack. Um, Burrow throughout the season, he took a sack on every four pressures. So again, I think they just got lucky. Um, so yeah, so to me, they, they've just got lucky three games in a row and now they're playing a, a legitimately good team who's been properly battle-hardened. Um, and I, I think the physicality is just going to be too much for the Bengals. I mean, I, I, I feel you and I understand what you're saying. I mean, there is that. I mean, there also is the fact that if Jaquiski Tart makes that interception with Matthew Stafford, who threw the ball up in the air, whatever, then the Rams aren't here either. I mean, like there's there's always going to be the if this, then that plays in the course of a football game. And I don't think that that matches that. I don't, I don't think that that really tells the, an accurate story of of a team in general. But I'll I'll keep my I'll keep my peace until a little bit later. Stephen, uh, go ahead with uh, you are you are Rams minus four as well. And I would just uh, add on to that with the minus three and a half popping. That's an auto bet for me. Like if, if you see a minus three and a half, I'm absolutely auto betting that I, I can't get to a point where this is the same spread as it was against the 49ers two weeks ago for the Rams. Uh, I have the Bengals still rated lower than I did the 49ers. And I just I wouldn't understand. I, I don't understand uh, the three and a half there other than books just trying to get some more Rams money because they're getting a lot of Bengals money. So uh, I also want to just say this too, Matt, like 
I'm not saying that the Bengals can't win this game or cover this spread. I'm operating in a range of outcomes here, right? Because even if you look at the past cases of, you know, I said that the Bengals were the first team in NFL history to get to the Super Bowl despite losing three playoff games in terms of yards per play. But there have been this century four other teams that lost yards per play in two playoff games and reached the Super Bowl. And it just so happens that all four of those teams won the Super Bowl. Despite that, they when, once they got to the Super Bowl, they did win it. Now, two of those teams had the number one defense in the league, and the other two had uh, one of the best offenses in the leagues, the 2009 Saints and the 2004 Patriots, and their offense just regressed to a point where they won yards per play in the Super Bowl. I just don't think the Bengals fit the mold of those teams. Their defense is outside the top half of the league this season. The offense is explosive, but not consistent. And they have huge offensive line issues. So um, is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. They just beat Patrick Mahomes on the road in Kansas city. This is an NFL game, a one game sample where there's always something in the range of outcomes, a, a weird deflection of a ball that can change the situation of a football game. But when it comes to trying to handicap this and trying to come up with what the best value is, I have a hard time getting there with the Bengals at the spreads that we've seen for this Super Bowl. So um, all of that being said, I go back and I emphasize the the Bengals offensive line being 30th in the league and in, in pass block win rate against the number one elite pass rush win rate defense in the league. And um, and Joe Burrow as well. I mean, this even though he has been pretty damn solid in the postseason. He also is a quarterback that led the league in interception rate. Um, he was, despite only allowing one sack to the Chiefs in the AFC title game and a boatload to the Titans the week before, you know, th- that one sack didn't really tell the whole story of the protection in that game. The They allowed pressure on 40% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks in that AFC title game. So, you know, I think negative regression is coming back for the the Bengals in this Super Bowl. And the last thing I'll just mention is in particular for the Bengals offensive line, the right side is the issue. The right tackle, Isaiah Prince, in the late stages of the season, he had two decent games against the Chiefs and a third against the Titans. But the interior defensive line is the strength of those two defenses, not the edge rushers. The other games he had late in the season against Las Vegas, Cleveland, San Francisco, all very bad PFF grades for Isaiah Prince in those games. And what do those defenses have in common? Strong edge rushers. And Von Miller is the number four overall graded edge rusher this season, and that's who he's going to face. And the Bengals also have a very weird situation going on with right guard, one I've never really seen. Their right guards split snaps in the AFC championship game. They literally platooned the right guards. So I still don't think they know what the heck they're doing, and neither option is ideal for this game as well. I will um, I'll ask both of you a question and being serious, whatever. Who's the better quarterback in this game? Oh, it's Joe Burrow. I mean, he's second in the league behind Aaron Rodgers in, in passing. Right. Who's the better quarterback in this game? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I, 
<laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? Because one of them is going to have two seconds to throw. One of them is going to have three and a half. And I, I, it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. I think they're close. Um, but one's just got a vastly superior surrounding cast here. I uh, I think Joe Burrow is, is definitely the better quarterback in this game. Um, and and here's the thing. The how long Matthew Stafford has to throw the ball actually is irrelevant in this game because he's worse when he has more time to throw the ball. He has been worse when he's had more time to throw the ball all season long. Matthew Stafford makes bad decisions whenever he has a long time in the pocket to throw and a long time to make decisions. He tries to do too much, and that is where 15 of his 18 interceptions over the course of the season came whenever he had over two and a half seconds to throw the ball. It is And this is something that has plagued him all season long. So the fact that he's going to have a long time to throw the ball actually doesn't phase me in the least bit when it comes to this game. And the two best quarterbacks in the NFL against the Blitz are both playing in this game. Both of the quarter, uh, the, the second best quarterback when pressured is playing in this game. His name's Joe Burrow. And if you're going to tell me that these guys are going to be pressuring him and he's going to be facing a lot of pressure, well, guess what? He's been facing a lot of pressure all year long. He's been dealing with this offensive line all year long. This is not something new. We're not just plopping him into a situation where, oh my God, he's never had to play behind a poor offensive line. What is poor Joe Burrow going to do? How is he ever going to manage? How is he ever going to win games? Oh, I don't know. This is insanity. This talk that, that, that just because he this one game because we've because we've had two insanity. weeks to dissect this one game that we're going to focus on this one thing over and over again and act like this hasn't been the situation for 22 weeks of the NFL season this is pure and utter insanity from 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 everyone having far too Matt. long to sit and think about one they football game they cannot block them they haven't been able to block anybody all year long and all they did was go out and win a division and beat the Chiefs on the road and beat the Titans on the road and and, and beat the other t- and beat the Raiders as well on the way to the on the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, like this is this is not a different situation than they have faced all year long. Yes, Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in the NFL. He is. I purely, I purely and utterly respect that and understand that. But if there will be an understanding that you cannot sit and you're not going to have three seconds in the pocket to throw the ball. And if that is the game plan, then yes, this game is going to get, you should bet the alt spread because if that's their game plan going into this, then they're going to lose by three touchdowns. But that can't be the game plan going into this. That can't be the game plan to run the ball into the middle of the defensive line on first down for a yard and a half every single time. And if they're going to do that, then you should bet the alt spread in the end game as soon as you see that because the game, they're going to lose by three touchdowns. I am assuming I am under the assumption right. of rational coaching here. And I understand that that can bite you in the ass and probably will bite me in the ass here. But the assumption of rational coaching is that they understand where their deficiencies lie and they go in with a game plan to try and neutralize where those deficiencies are. He's the better quarterback. They have the better quarterback. They have the better wide receiver. They have the, they have the, Oh, what is this shaking of the head over here, Stephen? They don't have the better quarterback and the better wide receiver in this game. I, yes, but it's they're not the offense isn't playing the offense. Okay, like Brad, listen, I'm gonna let Brad have his rebuttal, and then Matt, I'm putting you on the witness stand because it's time to go to holy war against Jesus H. Burrow here. Okay, so Brad, you go first, and then I'm putting Matt on the witness stand here. Um, well, I, I would say, oh, sorry, I, I would say there's. A few reasons why this might be different. 
one they haven't played a defensive line like this two it's the Super Bowl so I've made this argument a few times pass rush is more important in the Super Bowl I feel like they come in so fired up they're so fresh as well like you think about Super Bowls of the past and the pass rush is I think a more important factor it's on turf as well so like yeah they, they went into Tennessee and gave up nine sacks but it was still on grass slowing down these pass rushes um, yeah, as Stephen said they're, they're rotating the right guard the, the, the guard they brought in had a zero PFF pass block grade, pass block grade right so he's, he's got Aaron Donald he's got Greg Gaines he's got someone he can't block and so like it's, it's, it's not I've overthought this this is just the defining matchup in the game to me and at the end of the day football like if everything I know about football is wrong and that you don't have to actually block the other team then alright I'm wrong but I, I think at some point in this playoffs you're going to have to block someone for two and a half seconds and I just do not think they can do it alright Matt First of all, you said I, I agree with you that they have the better quarterback. If in a, in a vacuum, I would take Joe Burrow over Matthew Stafford. But if you're going to sit here and tell me you'd take Jamar Chase over Cooper Cup, who just won the triple crown of wide receivers, you're out of your when you get mind. 15 targets but a game. The first question it's, it's, I have a, it like, is a little bit easier to win that. It is, but I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, yeah. Targets yeah. are earned, Matthew. Targets are earned. They don't just hand them out like you know. Mm-hmm cards on the Vegas strip. Okay. They, this, let's start with this blind resume. If during the regular season, you saw a team who lost yards per play in three consecutive games and had one of the worst offensive lines in the league and the following game, would you bet on them? I, I mean, that's it's such a I mean, that's such a vague question and whatever. I mean, like in order to because I mean, like this is the Tennessee. We had the same discussion with the Tennessee Titans in the second half of the season when that offense continued to win games. But their offense looked horrendous and they eventually laid a couple okay. of eggs down the second half of the season okay. here. So they have we've the seen number this two before. graded pass offense in all the NFL with this very offensive line. You understand in order to have a good pass offense, you still have to be able to produce with whatever offensive line you're lining up on the field, right? So we can look at the grades and we can look at all this stuff we're keep saying about this offensive line and they found ways to produce regardless of that. We can't be a monkey to these numbers. We cannot be a slave to to these advanced statistics and sometimes we have to just understand what we see with our eyes and what actually ha- happens and gets produced on the field right because they did have the number two graded if we want to go where they did have the number two graded pass offense in all of the nfl despite having this offensive line all year they didn't win. They didn't like crush offensively in these playoff games, though. Like they won despite of their offensive line. If we're talking advanced statistics, if we're talking, if that's what we're doing, then the grade speaks for itself. It's the number two graded. If we're t- it's the number two graded pass offense in the NFL. If we're talking advanced stats, and that's what we want to go with, and as to reasons why this is not going to work, well, if they're the number two grade. How did that happen then? What what magic happened uh, that, that they ended up with the number two graded? 
offensive uh, pass offense in the league if they weren't able to figure out how to make this work? What 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 happened? Did, did PFF just feel sorry for them and give them this high grade because they want to make them feel good about themselves? For starters, the, let's go back to EPA offensively. They did have the number two EPA per play offense in the second in the last month of the season when they got more situation neutral pass heavy. But to answer your question, my response would be they didn't have to play the number two defense until this point. Like they played a bunch of defenses in the postseason that were exploitable. And they also played a bunch of offenses that pissed down their leg in a one game sample size and allowed them to win these games despite losing yards per play, (laughs) despite being horrific in the red zone. So listen, I understand they are one of the most explosive offenses in the league and they can get some chunk plays. But if I am relying on chunk plays as opposed to consistent offensive drives, I think at some point the regression is going to come, especially when they play the toughest defense they will face this postseason and one of the toughest they will have faced the entire season. So that's the situation. Middle of the pack in tackling, middle of the pack in tackling, middle of the pack in coverage. This is, this is, we have, we've, because Aaron Donald is so awesome, we have, we have blown this up. Like this is like, like this is the steel curtain defense that this is, that's walking onto the field right now. This is a team that went a month without winning a football game. I might, I might remind you guys, they had a bye week and lost three in a row as well. So it's not like this is like we're walking, we're trotting out the the second coming here of the greatest defense we've ever seen in the NFL. So uh, I, again, we're, 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 we're sitting here blowing this up. Like this is some sort of crazy, amazing, unbelievable defense. Like we've never seen in the history of the NFL. And that is just not just, the case. Just promise, just promise me case. one thing, Matt promise, promise me one thing. When we, the Bengals get a couple of fluke turnovers and Joe Burrow wins despite getting sacked seven times, you will still account it for an outlier scenario and an outlier result as opposed to, you know, they overcame all of the deficiencies. Now, if and I will in response and on the flip side, if they go out and they protect him well and he slices and dices this defense. I will also admit I was wrong. When Joe Burrow wasn't getting sacked against the Titans, he was slicing and dicing the defense. So, I mean, like, yes, got, I understand. He, well, they scored 19 scored points. Touchdowns. One touchdown. They were they moving the ball touchdown. up and down. <laughs> they, they were moving the ball up and down turnovers. the field. They were moving the ball up and down the field the Bro, entire game. And if you if you guys didn't go back, if you guys didn't go back and what, uh, you guys, yeah, yes, they yes, 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 they were. <laughs> so all right, anyway, I think we all know. I think we all know where everybody lies on uh, as far as as far as their bets go um, on a, on just the the side here and how we think that this game is going to play out. But we need to get everybody the bets that are in our account here, the bets that we'd like the most anyway. We don't have to list the whole, the you know, the whole gamut here. I'm sure we have like a super long list uh, of bets that are going in. Um, but let's at least start with, uh, Stephen, I'll go with you. Let's just, you know, your your bets, like four or five that you that you like the best, right? I mean, let's not go through the laundry list here, but definitely give people the four or five you sure, like the there, best. Sure, we did, you know, for those that didn't hear it, go back to the, the previous podcast that we did each of us gave five Super Bowl bets that we like in this game so I would say start there but I'll give you the ones that I think 
um, are, are the most prominent for me for this game. And I'm going to take it kind of more from a recreational type better. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are not huge betters, don't bet a ton during the NFL season. And there's also, you know, the, the more experienced betters. So I'm going to try and give you some options here that, that apply to both. And I'll also just briefly mention that if you go to the lines.com, you'll find an article where a bunch of a members, bunch of the members of our staff broke down how they would bet $100 on the Super Bowl. And then you can adjust, you know, the proportions based on your, your individual bankroll. So first thing I'll say is Rams minus three and a half. If you can get that three and a half number, I would be absolutely all over that because I already betted at four. And I think three and a half would just be an incorrect spread in this game. I think that number would be very much the wrong number. So um, if, if I'm betting a hundred dollars, let's just say I would put 60 of it on Rams minus three and a half. The next bet I'm doing is 20 bucks on the Rams to have over three and a half sacks in this game because I can get plus money on that. And lastly, I am not a proponent of same game parlays, but in the one case of when you can hit a button to opt in for a risk free same game parlay, and if you get it wrong, you're getting it back in site credit instead of a free bet because a free bet, you only get the profits, you don't get the stake, but site credit, you get the entire amount back. There's some, there's some promos out there just for the Super Bowl. So here's a $20 same game parlay I did. It's close to 20 to one odds. Rams alt line minus 12 and a half because I think that is a possibility here. Joe Mixon over 24 and a half receiving yards. Cam Akers under 16 and a half receiving yards and Joe Burrow over 276 passing yards. Negative game script for the Bengals in this game. More passing in addition to the situation neutral pass approach that they've had. Cam Akers getting off the field on third downs for Sony Michelle and his pass protection means probably less receiving yards for him. And the entire argument we just had leads me to believe believe that there is a chance of a Rams blowout in this game, although I wouldn't do anything more than just like a risk-free bet on that. So those are three options for you that I like in my account. Brad, we know you are on Rams uh, minus four, but what are some other bets in your account that you, uh, that you really do like? Uh, by far, my biggest bet is Rams minus two and a half in the first half. It should be should be able to find that, especially with this line coming down a little bit. Um, and Rams minus a quarter in the first quarter. Um, you know, everything we've spoken about, um, you know, the Rams pass rush, maybe even the McVeigh script in the first half. Um, it, it's, it's all more pronounced in the first half. And I, I do agree there's some risk of the Bengals adjusting, maybe the pass rush tiring. We've seen that a few times in the Super Bowl after that long halftime show. Um, so, yeah, Rams first half is um, where I want to do everything. And like Bengals team total under first quarter, um, un- team total under first half. That's I think those are all good ways to, uh, to get involved. Uh, I'm on Bengals four and a half. I'm going to be happy one way or another because I have Rams 22 to one to win the Super Bowl. So uh, that's full disclosure there for from futures earlier on in the year. One of the things I definitely like, I think that there is uh, Joe Burrow's an underdog to Matthew Stafford for passing yards in this game. And I think that there's multiple different game scripts in which Burrow has more passing yards. Again, we've talked about if the Rams get to big leads, we've seen Sean McVay get conservative. We've seen him start running the ball heavily a lot more too. I just think the Bengals should throw the ball more. Like I'm just, uh, that's a, 
a personal opinion. That's just a game script type thing that they shouldn't be running the ball in early downs. They should be throwing a whole lot more. So that is one as well. And then, of course, if the Bengals are winning, they're not winning by Joe Mixon running for 150 yards in this game. Like, that's not going to happen. So if they're winning, it's most likely that Joe Burrow's having a big day throwing the ball as well. So that's a head-to-head that you can get. And Burrow's the underdog to Stafford in that one. So I actually really do like that one a ton. One that I added just yesterday, I, I went ahead and took Blanton over 21 and a half receiving yards as well. It does not look like Tyler Higby's going to play in this game. Tyler Higby had become a pretty decent little part of this offense moving forward, uh, like in, over the last couple of months of the season. He was definitely a chains mover for them as well. A guy that can go in, especially I look at this from a matchup standpoint as well. If we think that they're going to just sit back in zone, which again, is probably the way to do it when you play Matthew Stafford, then Blanton just going and, and sitting down somewhere in the middle of those zones or whatever, I think could be a, a good game plan for the Rams as well. So over 21 and a half yards for Blanton, I really do like him to be able to find some holes in the zone and and Stafford just hit him a few different times throughout the course of the game. I like mixing under rush yards. I know that's fallen. I probably would still continue to play the under on that. I just don't think they're going to have any success running in the first place. And I also think that they should abandon the run as much as humanly possible. And then the other one, for me is just for Cincinnati to have the longest field goal and to have over 60 and a half field goal yards as well. Both of those a uh, couple of field goal kick uh, kicker props, but I really do think McPherson has all the trust in the world from Taylor and he'll trot him out from however long he needs to do that. And, um, you know, for them to get the longest field goal and then also over 60 and a half yards, you really just need two field goals from McPherson in that one. So if you think they get two field goals, then over 60 and a half field goal yardage, is the way to go guys it has been an awesome season been an amazing time here with with y'all um maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a wrap-up when it's all said and done so you guys can uh can come and scream at me and and all that <laughs> honestly the best case scenario the best case scenario for me is a rams win by a field goal and then yeah. i win the plus four and a half and i win all the futures and all everything like that's the best case scenario for me uh a rams field goal win so if that happens maybe i won't be here on monday because i will have had some champagne popping and things like that uh, going on. But uh, boys, it has been awesome. Good luck on all of your bets this week. And guys, if you didn't watch that 15 uh, best bets video that Steven referenced, go back to the YouTube channel, watch it, watch it to the end because we're doing something special on that video. So be sure and watch it to the end. And I uh, don't want to give it away here, but there's something going on over there where you can uh, perhaps gain yourself a little bit of uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of cash. So be sure and watch that video as well for brad for steven i'm matt good luck on super bowl 56 bet basketball baseball or hockey with a risk-free bet up to 600 dollars at bet mgm sign up and use bonus code the lines and you're on your way with the king of sports books get the bet mgm app today and use promo code the lines to make a risk-free bet up to 600 dollars. this is a new customer offer paid in free bets visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years or older to wager colorado indiana iowa michigan new jersey nevada pennsylvania tennessee virginia or west virginia only excludes michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 